If you're having work problems, I feel bad for you, son. I, I got, got 99, 99 problems, but my business ain't one. I got the tax patrol and the cash patrol. Foes that want to make sure all my right, biscuit. All right, all right, that's that's probably all that our audience needs to hear at this okay, point. Well, that you, you know, you didn't sign up to listen to us rap, although maybe you did. Maybe you did. We and don't know. You know what? We feel like it. And we were, we just got the number ninety nine on our minds. Here, why why do we have the number ninety nine on our minds? It is episode ninety nine of the Mentors Podcast, yes. which means this Wednesday is going to be episode one hundred. But um, yeah, that's why we wanted to talk to you about what to do if you have ninety nine problems, because it's on our minds. Although I wouldn't say that this podcast is one of them. We love doing it. No, we do. But we all experience problems on a daily basis, and sometimes it feels like you have nine hundred and ninety nine, not just ninety nine. Jay Z knew what was up, and so we thought, let's talk about how we deal when we feel like we have a lot of problems, and generally how we think it's productive to think about the problems that you are experiencing to get through them. There's three main takeaways in this episode that will hopefully help you feel like your 99 problems ain't that bad. Are a little bit smaller. A little bit smaller. So the first takeaway is that we think that you should act fast when you are faced with a problem, particularly if it's a problem that may potentially have some grave consequences and the story comes to mind back in the back of the day when back we were working the on the last startup tacit if you have ever incorporated a company namely created a c-corp you know that it's incredibly important to file what's called an 83b election within 30 days of uh, sending in the incorporation documents what that does is it basically tells the irs that a year later even though the IRS might say that the million shares that you issued in the company are now worth a dollar each, ergo you need to pay taxes on a million dollars, you say, no, no, those shares are actually worth what we said they were worth right when we incorporated, which is about 0.0001 cents. That's totally legal. It's something that the IRS put in place in order to encourage entrepreneurs to create entities because otherwise nobody would start businesses if it meant that they had to pay taxes on something that was not liquid at all and also on something where the value kind of was pulled out of thin air. So 83B election is really important. And we found out a year later that our lawyers forgot to file it. Yeah, so we actually did the work. We were aware that it's something that you have to file. And we did the paperwork. But apparently, as we found out a year later, we had to submit it to the IRS as well. So not just create the documents to file for the election, but actually submit it to the IRS. And we thought that our lawyers were going to do it. And they actually told us, well, wait, we had it in the document that you should do it. And we looked at the document and it was on the last page in fine print of the document that we were expected to actually file it and not our lawyers. And that was a huge surprise to us. And let me tell you, our first reaction very it's very over. pissed yeah well pissed and angry and thought holy crap our business is done we can't afford to pay this tax yeah and uh while we allowed ourselves to have that negative reaction we tried not to blame each other because honestly i don't even remember who it was on at this point and nor could we really just blame the lawyers at this point we just had to act fast and so we did want to blame the lawyers we definitely because did. they should have made sure that we knew it was our first time starting a company they should have made sure that we knew to file it with the irs because you have to do it within the first 30 days that's the crazy part if you miss that window you can't do it. Anyhow, we texted our lawyer. I think it was about 5.30 o'clock at night. And he said, guys, I'm literally on a boat right now. Let me call you back. So at 9 at night, we had about an hour-long call to figure out what to do with the situation. Ultimately, it all worked out. He came up with a creative solution that was completely within our rights. And uh, we came out on the other end. But if we didn't act fast and contact him immediately and get sort of that problem relieved right away, 
we could have thought it was over for days. We could have uh, had a really terrible night as opposed to having a pretty bad night that ended up being actually going well. And by the way, the solution was that we had to do something called accelerating our ownership of the shares so they would no longer be vesting. We would get all the shares at once and therefore we would pay taxes at the current value, which was still very low of the company. Not the best solution because vesting is really important. That's a topic for another day. But we put a little bit of urgency on our lawyer by basically by showing how upset we were. We pressed him by basically emailing him several times and calling him several times. And by the end of the 12-hour period or maybe a 20 hour period he had a solution so when you have a big problem try to act fast and get past it as quickly as possible don't let the weight sit on your shoulders now sergey i want you to talk about when you actually feel like you have 99 problems in other words when you have so many things coming at you at once how do you deal with it and i think you have a story from your days at venture for america yeah when i first got the job at venture for america to run their entrepreneurship programs one of the main things i had to do was to create and run their venture accelerator a three-month accelerator program they had done it before but only once and i had to basically recreate it from scratch and i had other work to do as well and just the whole process of creating an accelerator from nothing was pretty overwhelming and seemed like a lot and I had just a couple months before the program would start I had to get housing for everybody in the program I had to get office space I had to create the program the curriculum everything and it was very overwhelming but what I did is that I broke it up into chunks we've talked about this in the past that one of the best ways to tackle something that seems like it's huge is to break it up into small digestible chunks and for me it was the path of least resistance the fastest thing I could do was to figure out who are gonna be the mentors and trainers in the accelerator program. Who are the people in our network that I'm gonna invite? Start making a list. And making a list was actually the fastest thing that I could do. Once I made a list of trainers, it helped me shape the curriculum that I was gonna do. So the topics that I was gonna have people come in and talk about, that helped me shape the actual calendar. So what's gonna happen every single week of the program and every single day of the program. And then once I did that, over the course of that first week, everything just became much more manageable. So the first thing to do is to act fast. The second takeaway is when you feel like you have too much going on, just start crossing off the things on your list. Start acting towards removing some of the problems, and pretty soon it'll feel a lot more manageable. The last takeaway is be solution-oriented, especially if you're within a job right now. You know, we experience problems all the time, problems that come from our colleagues, from our bosses, from our customers, from our partners. It doesn't matter. They can come from anywhere. And the most valuable employees and team members are the ones that are solution-oriented. Don't just complain about the problems. It's actually usually the most junior employees, the ones in the first couple of years of working life, that tend to not really understand this, the importance of being solution-oriented. And so anytime there's a problem, they'll just bring it up and basically surface that the problem is there. And they want to make sure that everybody knows the problem is there. But no one wants to hear about problems. They want to hear about your solution to it so they can get to basically get to work and solving it. So I was part of an enterprise software company and I came in as a sales engineer. It ended up morphing into a product management role, but in the very beginning, I had one main problem to solve. Keep the salespeople away from the engineers, namely the CTO. The CTO was incredibly busy building the product. We constantly had feature requests from our massive enterprise customers and she didn't have time to deal with salespeople that couldn't answer or couldn't be bothered to look up simple technical things or even uh, things about the product. And so when I came in, my main goal was to remove that problem from her. Now, I could have complained. I could have said, oh, why are these salespeople not actually taking the time to look up the information? 
it was easy to complain, but I figured it'd be even better if I gave them the solution. And so the first thing that I did is I created two lines of defense between the sales team and the CTO. One, I put together a ton of documentation about the product, explainer videos, uh, actual documentation, written documentation about common questions that we get about the product, common objections that we get about the solution in our sales conversations. And I put it all into Confluence into a written database, kind of like an FAQ. That was the first line of defense. And whenever somebody in sales had a question, I sent them there first. The second line of defense is I said, okay, whenever you have a technical question, ask me first, don't go to the CTO. Now, of course, I didn't have all the answers to these questions in the beginning, but since I was more technical, I shadowed the CTO for a number of months. I learned as much as possible about the product so that I didn't have to go to her and ask her all the questions every single day and bother her and separate her from her flow. And so there were two lines of defense and that solved the problem very effectively for the company and everybody was happy and ultimately ended up giving me more responsibilities because of this. So talk about showing to your employer that you are a valuable employee. First thing Vadim did is to figure out what is the biggest priority right now? What's the biggest perceived problem right now that the technical team is facing? And once he figured that out, he tackled the solution by making it as easy as possible for the salespeople to do something other than go to the CTO. And that solved the problem both for her and for them. And now he was seen as the hero in the organization by working on that solution first. So we talked about three things if you feel like you have 99 problems. Number one, act fast. Number two, start crossing things off your list as quickly as possible so that it feels more manageable. And number three, be solution oriented. If you have problems in your business or in your work this week, try to think about it in this frame of mind and we promise it'll be easier. We'll see you this Wednesday for our centennial episode, episode 100. Very excited that you have stuck with us through this whole time, and we can't wait to see you on Wednesday. Bye.